This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Technology Thursday. Some toy makers are getting into NFTs. As COVID restrictions ease, more companies are looking at a return to the workplace by employees. We'll look at some of the sticking points and legal issues in our next segment. Right now, we're digesting the latest announcement from the Federal Reserve and fresh numbers on jobless claims. Let's get insight from David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. He's based in Denver. David, always good to get your insights. So what do you make of what the Fed said? Well, we had a very important policy meeting over the last couple of days, Cisco. Uh, that June meeting, I was waiting for it, uh, but we got the message from the Fed chairman. Inflation could be higher and more persistent than expected. Those are strong words from the Fed chairman. Uh, if this continues, the Fed might adjust its policy posture. That was enough to... Uh, certainly scare the stock market, and it should have. Um, there'll be a two-part process to the Fed's decision. I think the first thing they'll look at are those heavy asset purchases per month. Um, might trim those back or taper those asset purchases, as the market talks about, uh, maybe even before the end of the year. It's still will be a while, though, before rates go up. But the handwriting is on the wall. Any concern that the Fed is maybe going a little too easy on inflation, or do they have no choice but to wait and see if it is temporary? I believe transitory is the word they use. Well, the essence of your question is correct. I think the Fed is a little bit behind the curve. Uh, Inflation has really been taking off, and of course there's a debate about whether it's temporary or permanent, but uh, the simple facts of life are that it's, inflation is up a lot and the Fed should do something about it. I would have felt more confident if they acted a couple of months ago to do something, but uh, they at least uh, though are late, uh, but that's better than never. Let's talk about jobless claims, a, an increase. Most say this is surprising. What should we think about this? Well, it is surprising. We've jumped up a bit uh, on those claims, uh, suggesting a hint of weakness. But um, the Fed chairman had something important to say about the labor market. He said we're on a path to a very strong labor market. So I'll take the Fed chairman's words for it. Um, uh, even though we may have a, may have had a soft month on claims, um, the trend is in favor of a much stronger market, and that means a strong recovery. 
And that's obviously you have then more money coming into the economy, right? So you, you get more people working, then you, you end up just spurring things forward. Exactly. Um, the money comes in, people spend more, particularly on goods, uh, and uh, that means more employment, a strong labor market, uh, and off we go. So uh, the most important news is really that uh, we're in a strong recovery and the Fed should do something about it. Thanks so much. That is David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors. Coming up, some employers are struggling to find a workable return-to-the-office solution. The CEO of Morgan Stanley telling employees in its New York offices they need to come back to work in person this fall. Let's talk about the implications. Paul Starkman, employment attorney at Clark Hill here in Chicago. Uh, Paul, okay, so this is happening in Chicago, too, with more employees being told they need to get back to the office. What if they say, I don't want want to come back to the office well the problem with that is uh employers have a right to require their employees to come back to the office subject to having to make some accommodations for people with disabilities and uh, perhaps uh, religious uh, objections but other than that uh, employers get to to decide where uh, their employees are going to work and they can require them to come back to work do employees have any wiggle room here, or do they pretty much just have to go along with the employer and whatever they say? Well, they certainly have some some wiggle room in terms of uh, um, what they want to do and how they can uh, negotiate a uh, perhaps a hybrid ar- arrangement or even uh, a work-from-home arrangement. But uh, other than that, if the uh, employer is saying uh, everybody must come to work and we want people uh at the office working together, then uh, there's not a whole lot of options for uh, employees at that point. What about when it comes to getting the vaccine? Because employers want employees back in-house, but they want you know they want them to actually get the vaccine. Can they make you do this? They they certainly can require um, that you get vac- vaccinated in order to return to work. Uh, that that's certainly uh, something that that's been. Uh, uh, subject of uh, official guidance, so uh, employers do have that that uh, right to, to require uh, vaccinations. When it comes to Morgan Stanley, I mean, they're saying September, which is still a few months away. Uh, is your advice to employers to be sensitive with this, to, to maybe be gradual with getting employees back to the office? Because you do still have some people who are they're just not comfortable coming back. Yes, I, th- I think the, the, the better course for, for most employers and uh, obviously uh, each uh, um, president or CEO has to make his own or her own uh, decision. But uh, the better course is to see how uh, things play out, see how the vaccination rates continue, you know, as long as they continue to, to increase in terms of the number of people getting vaccinated, how the uh, that there's no... Uh, you know, subsequent resurgence of the of the disease, but to see how things uh, progress as we uh, get further along through the summer and into the fall, and and be flexible as to how they're going to return their workforce to the offices. Yeah, that's a way to not only uh, well, I guess the main thing there is you you just sort of create better morale, right? Because I mean, you don't have yeah, people that, feeling like they're forced into it. Exactly. That's certainly a a major issue now is is a lot of uh, um, employees have indicated that they would either refuse a raise if they had to 
rather than go into the office or they would even quit their jobs. So there's there's certainly some backlash uh, to uh, employers uh, forcing employees to come back to the office. Thanks so much. Good insight from Paul Starkman, an employment attorney at Clark Hill. Quick recap, your employers can make you come back to work and they can make you get the vaccine if you want to come back to work. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The price of commodities, including lumber and precious metals, falling after riding on a high. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Mark, what's going on here? I mean, we heard about the lumber prices especially going way high. Now everything seems to be getting back to normal. Well, that's right. The, the, the way I look at it is that not all of the narrative out there f- supports the notion that inflation is spiking upwards. If all commodity prices were going up, we might be able to say, well, yes, inflation might be more than just the transitory phenomenon that the Fed yesterday in their announcement said that it will be. But look at what lumber's done over the last uh, about six weeks or so, or actually five weeks. It's less than that. Lumber's price is down over 40 percent, 40 which is amazing. Gold, as you mentioned yesterday in the wake of the Fed's announcement, dropped uh, 40 or $50 an ounce, depending on which contract you're looking at. And these are some of the most well-followed uh, commodities out there. And it really doesn't fit with the, the overall story. I am actually of the opinion that inflation is going to be relatively transitory. So I'm in the Fed's camp there. Does this mean that, because what we were hearing, especially with lumber, is it was simply getting things ramped back up after the pandemic. You can't go from sort of zero to normal lumber production and distribution overnight. And that's what the lumber producers were saying. This seems to represent that they were actually telling us what's going on. Well, that's right. And I think this is really what the the, the broader story generally is that what happened is that, you know, last year, right in the wake, in fact, it was a little over a year ago, but right in the wake of the uh, initial lockdown from the pandemic, uh, inflation actually turned to deflation. Prices actually declined. And then as we've come back to normal, prices have gotten back to the trend line they would have been at had we never had the pandemic. So even though the trend line has gone up at the same rate and a very unexceptional trend line at that, As we bounce back from the artificially low levels of a year ago, it looks like inflation has really spiked higher. But I think the underlying story is pretty unexceptional. So investors who have been banking on inflation, maybe they need to sort of take a pause for a few moments. Well, that's right. I mean, can I I agree totally. I mean, is it possible that inflation is more than just a transitory phenomenon and is about to spike higher? Of course. I mean, you know, you, you, the old saying is you lay all the economists end to end, they'd never reach a conclusion. There's going to be a lot of disagreement out there. So there's very smart economists out there who do think inflation is is back for good. But I, I think the, at a minimum, you'd have to say the evidence is not overwhelming. And if you want to bet on inflation coming back, you're going to have to be willing to take the risk that you're wrong. Thanks so much, Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Just ahead, it's Technology Thursday. Hot Wheels cars are entering the digital collectible space. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's 12.30. Good afternoon. Thanks for being with us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Supreme Court hands down a ruling on the Obama-era federal health care law. Police in Chicago search for a woman suspected of stabbing three people. On the Business Hour, it's Technology Thursday. Legendary toy maker Mattel getting into digital collectibles with its own non-fungible tokens. Also on the tech front, some new vehicles. Vehicles could be cruising on the moon in coming years. WBBM Business, the Dow down 174. The NASDAQ is up 117 and the S&P is up one point. Oil is down two and a third percent. Sunshine in Chicagoland, some thunderstorms late in the day, really in the overnight hours. Just sunshine right now. It's 80 degrees, heading to a high of 91. The Supreme Court has rejected a Republican-led challenge to Obamacare. CBS is Steve. The court allowed the Affordable Care Act to stand, not based on its constitutionality, but because the majority of justices ruled Republican-led states, including Texas, had no right to sue in federal court. The lawsuit stemmed from the mandate Americans obtain health insurance or pay a penalty. Congress zeroed out that penalty in 2017. Steve Dorsey, CBS News, Washington. Chicago police have released photos of a woman wanted for stabbing three people and threatening to shoot another on the north side this month. The suspect was wearing a pink top in three of the four attacks. They happened in Lakeview, Edgewater, and Uptown. Photos are on our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. It's 12:32. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed. The Dow down 190, Nasdaq up 120, and the S&P is basically flat. Let's see what's going on. Mike Larson is here, senior analyst at WeissRatings.com based in Jupiter, Florida. Mike, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Sure. I think you're seeing a lot of shifting uh, sands underneath this market in the wake of the Fed meeting this week. Jay Powell, uh, Fed chairman, really did kind of do a bit of a pivot here in terms of talking about the economy. He sounded more optimistic about future employment growth and uh, re-strengthening in the economy now that the COVID and pandemic is fading into the background. And I think that caught a lot of people offside. They were expecting a more sort of, uh, I guess, balanced, a little, little less bullish um, approach or take on the economy. And so what you've seen is leadership switch. We've seen gold and silver, precious metal stocks fall. We've seen uh, the yield curve flatten quite a bit, meaning long-term interest rates have fallen while short-term interest rates have gone up or held steady. And we've seen money rotate out of things like financials and into things like technology and utilities that tend to do better when long-term interest rates are tame. 
So, again, a lot of shifting sands, a lot of things going on where people are trying to reposition for this new Fed outlook on the economy. And that's behind a lot of the action you're seeing. How difficult is it for investors to figure out what to do, given the fact that, uh, you know, yeah, maybe this inflation, maybe it's going to be held at bay. Maybe it's not going to be a problem. But if it is, that completely changes how you would invest, at least in the short run. Sure. I mean, you go, you go up until, you know, several weeks ago, you had rampaging commodities. We're all talking about how much lumber prices were up. And it wasn't just lumber. It was a lot of soft commodities like soybeans and wheat and things like copper and other metals and so on. Um, but that's sort of come off the boil. You had China look to maybe tame some uh, chi- uh, metal supply issues over there. They're a big user of a lot of these metals. We've seen, you know, again, some concerns about demand for housing as you get to these level of prices that people can hardly afford anymore. And those kinds of factors have worked to tame that that commodities boom that we're seeing. Uh, you know, not not hugely, and we're still retaining a lot of those gains, but it's come off the boil. And that has led to some removal of these inflationary bets in the marketplace. And again, that's all part of the action we're seeing. And let's talk about the fact, I mean, you got tech stocks doing pretty well today. A lot of people have loved those for a while because they're looking to those for growth. Uh, Should they continue looking there for that? Sure. One of the issues with some of these mega cap technology stocks and especially some of the more speculative tech stocks that people have been jumping into or were earlier this year is that they can be affected by long term interest rates as well. If people are no longer worried about interest rates rising sharply, they tend to rotate again out of companies like financials that benefit from higher interest rates and higher spreads and back into long term growth companies like technology. So that's why you're seeing this dichotomy where the Nasdaq is doing fairly well again and uh, some of the old economy, some of the stocks that depend on a stronger cyclical economy are doing weaker. And I think, again, it really is going to depend, you know, how far does the Fed take this? Do they really stick to their guns and, and, you know, suggest that instead of maybe 2023, they might have to hike rates in 2022? And again, if that happens, you're going to continue to see that rotation play out. Yeah, again, it's just uh, adding to the uncertainty. uh, And investors, I guess, should keep that in mind. We touched on this earlier, but they should keep that in mind that at this point, we, we just don't really know how this rebound is going to go. Sure, 100%. And I still think in this market, a lot of those good dividend payers, those solid stocks that have decent yields uh, are are a great place to go in this kind of market environment where there's uncertainty. Dividends give you some downside protection. And many of these companies, you know, have safe, stable business models. They're yielding more than you're getting in the treasury market. And they're, you know, giving you sort of that inflation hedge if you look at a a subsector like real estate, real estate investment trust. Lots of ways to play this market as it unfolds. Yeah, you touched on dividends. Kind of interesting that when the pandemic was first hitting, uh, people were wondering, hey, would these dividends actually be paid out? Would the companies be able to do it? Some scaled back the dividends or got rid of them altogether. Uh, we feel like a little more confident now that if companies have continued with dividends, they're just not going to be a worry in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, you're getting, you know, some of that, a lot of the government stimulus that was sort of bridging the gap from the decline in revenue and earnings that we saw as a result of COVID. As we come out of that and growth starts to pick back up, uh, again, you're going to get those cash flows that support the dividends. And as long as you're in sort of those safe names, safer sectors, uh, you can be fairly confident that with the worst behind us in terms of credit pressure and earnings pressure, many of those companies are going to do just fine going forward. Thanks so much, Mike Larson, senior analyst at WeissRatings.com. Just ahead, Technology Thursday, a major toy maker is jumping into NFTs. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday. Iconic toy maker Mattel is reportedly set to auction off its first 
digital art pieces featuring its popular Hot Wheels vehicles. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus business line, Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group based in New York, author of the new book and executive guide to the world of decentralized finance. Shelley, now Mattel is getting into the NFT market. And uh, what, what, what exactly would they end up selling here? This is interesting. You know, it is interesting. They've got this idea that they're going to have the Hot Wheels NFT Garage series. And not to say they're jumping on the bandwagon, but to jump on the bandwagon, Mattel is offering NFTs of Hot Wheels digital art. My suspicion is that this probably started out as a, wow, we have to get into this, but it will evolve into something different because Hot Wheels are real physical collectibles, the way baseball cards are physical collectibles. And I don't really have a digital representation of my Hot Wheels favorites, so they're inventing all of this. The cool stuff is that they do have some design drawings and they do have some artwork that could be unique, one-of-a-kind, valuable NFTs. The question is, is that how they're going to approach it? So we don't really know whether or not these are going to be of actual value or whether it's going to be a kind of a pseudo loyalty program or just an entire failure. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you look at this, you kind of go, wow, they're into it. But it's like, look, there are only about 1.2 million digital wallets. And when you think about how many transactions go on, there aren't that many NFTs out there. The universe isn't that big. Hot Wheels are not always collected by grown-ups. And so, you know, you, you're talking about needing to have a digital wallet and or a credit card to start to play in this world. If it was a true NFT, you would definitely need a digital wallet and a way to get it on, on offline so that you could, wouldn't have to stay in an online digital environment. They're going to put you into an environment like Top Shot, like the NBA Top Shot, where it's not really a digital wallet. It's just a representation. So I think it's hard for me to understand the difference between this as a loyalty program and a website and a true NFT marketplace where people are transacting in cryptocurrency and the NFTs are smart contracts, which have a life outside the marketplace you buy them in. So the jury's out here, Cisco. Yeah, it looks like an NFT. They're calling it an NFT. We'll see what the execution really turns out to be. Yeah, when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, let's say you love Hot Wheels. Obviously, there are a lot of people who do. Uh, you're mm-hmm. basically, they want you to pay money for a digital picture of, hot, of a particular Hot Wheel. I mean, they, they could just come out and create another one tomorrow. That's correct. And so the the goal of this is misunderstood by most marketers, and it's unfortunate. I cover it in my book pretty Uh, closely. And the idea is you shouldn't build an NFT unless you think there's a secondary marketplace for the digital content, or unless it's something truly uh, authentic and unique that there's someone would want to have, know the provenance of and care about. Otherwise you're building a loyalty program or a couponing program. And if you're the trusted authority like Mattel, which would be the trusted authority in Hot Wheels, then why am I worried about it? I can just do a database and throw some, you know, put some coupons out in the marketplace. So if you think about it like that, you're making a mistake. The way to use an NFT, the way to use any smart contract is to say, if I have people that don't know each other, um, they're going to do business in a secondary market after I'm done with this, and I want to participate in that, and I want to get a royalty later, and I want it in cryptocurrency. Well, if, if that set of conditions will empower a new business model for you, then use an NFT. Otherwise, 
there are many more uh, technologies that are way easier to use, way more secure for you because they're centralized. And if you're the trusted authority, why wouldn't you just use a database with a strong password? I can go on for hours about this. I won't bore you with it. <laughs> but I got to tell you, this is not this is not like, oh, I got to do this. I don't know. I think this is an also ran. I love Mattel, a big Hot Wheels fan, but this one might be misguided. Yeah, we'll be watching it for sure, and we'll have you back. Thanks, Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. Still to come on this Technology Thursday, the next generation of moon rovers. Making sense of your dollar. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A double dose of Technology Thursday today. NASA wants to return to the moon, and that means astronauts will likely need something to replace the rovers that have been there since the 70s. We're joined by Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. Paul, I don't think a lot of people know that those rovers are still up there, just sort of sitting on the moon. Well, that's right. One of the reasons they are up there is because it's really hard to bring them back. Um, they, the, the way it worked and the way it still is going to work probably is that they don't want astronauts assembling a vehicle when they land. So they have to ship them in one piece. They basically unfold. What, what, the way to visualize this is to imagine like a Murphy bed. So basically the astronauts in, uh, in, in, you know, in, the, in the lunar rover vehicles that they did in 71 and 72, they pull on a string, basically, and a side of that landing vehicle would come out and out would come the vehicle and would unfold. So those vehicles that were built up there were not intended to be brought back. Funny, it's like a transformer, it uh, sounds like. Uh, so uh, what are they going to do now that they want to head back to the moon? Well, they're going to have to adapt the technology to current technology. It's really important to remember this is literally 50 years ago, uh, just about, and, and so the technology is advanced. But some of the challenges have not changed. Number one, temperature changes. Um, it goes from uh, minus 280 degrees Fahrenheit at, when it's not in the sun to 260 degrees Fahrenheit when it is in the sun. And there is no atmosphere to sort of modulate, to sort of you know, make that temperature shift short. So it's instant. The result is the vehicles have to stand, withstand all kinds of incredible challenges technically. Um, remember, this thing is designed to drive out and drive the astronauts out into places they couldn't walk with any speed. They go up to about eight miles an hour. And if you look at old footage of these guys, uh, they're, they're quite something up there on the moon. They go up to about seven or eight miles an hour. They don't want to go faster because you turn into basically you get, you get launched by the lack of uh, gravity. So it's a very exciting challenge. And uh, I'm thinking battery technology has to be a little better now than it was in the 70s. Well, that's exactly right. Battery technology, first of all, they weren't rechargeable batteries when, when they went up there. They were designed to go about 90 kilometers, about 45 total miles on the moon's surface. And now they want to have those things be rechargeable with solar energy. The other thing is suspension systems and then tires. In other words, all the basic stuff. The suspension system has to be really sensitive to keep from launching the astronauts if they hit a, hit a, hit a rock, and that, that's one. And two, the tires were made of mesh, basically steel mesh. Imagine um, a birdcage basically in, a, in the shape of a tire. That's to absorb all the dust. The dust has not been smoothed out by wind up there because there is none or basically none. And so it's very, very sharp stuff. So that mesh has to be adapted too. So technology is the tires, the batteries, uh, the solar power of these uh, rechargeable batteries. There's a lot of changes that are going to be uh, on that on that lunar surface. It'll be great to watch. Thanks so much, Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. You'll find past programs later today, a podcast of this hour at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.